0: how to prepare vegetables to maximize their nutrient effectiveness, how to erase previously held assumptions that we have about ourselves, how he eradicated joint pain, how he's improved his immune system, his four most important health habits, given that he has five kids, and so much more coming right up. This is episode number three, four, nine, with the CEO of True Whole Human, Christian Elliott. What's up everybody and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. Do you wanna be stronger than ever before? Do you wanna be more toned, more confident when you see yourself in the mirror and get closer to the best version of yourself? Then you should join the 10-week transformation program today. All you have to do is go to nickcarrier.com and we will collaborate to cast a clear vision, create a simple strategy so you can achieve your fitness goals and become the best version of yourself. Prepare to show the world the most fit, most confident and best version of you. Today, I'm super excited to bring you Christian Elliott. Christian is the CEO of True Whole Human, which is a health coaching and personal development program that has everything that you need to get healthy and become a more confident person. Now, before diving into the episode, be sure you're subscribing to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast on the Apple Podcast app, on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and be sure you share this episode with a friend while you're listening. All you have to do is send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, I would absolutely love it if you leave a five-star rating interview. But without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Christian Elliott. Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. Today, I am super excited to bring on the one and only Christian Elliott. Christian, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Well, thanks for
1: having me. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, of, of course. Uh, we're very like-minded individuals, so I know we're going to have an awesome conversation here today. Christian is the CEO of True Whole Human. And the way I just want to start, Christian, is you know you started training people back in 2003. And I want you to uh, orient our listeners a little bit with regard to how you got into to training
1: and kind of give us a quick two-minute overview of, of how you got into it. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I, I really got into health kind of reluctantly. I got into trying to get my health back because I was not in the best of health in 2003. And so kind of went on a quest to uh, get myself better and realized how little I actually knew about health. And it blew my mind, how many life changing paradigms are out there that I had no idea about. And it really just put me on a quest to how do I how many other things like this are out there and how do I help somebody out? So a hobby turned into something people wanted to start paying me for, which eventually turned into certifications and work in a corporate gym environment and then started transitioning to our own brick and mortar business, did that for nine years and then grew to about 10,000 square feet, just about every type of holistic discipline you can think of. Nutrition, fitness, naturopath, chiropractic, acupuncture, massage et etc. Cetera, et cetera. And, and about four years ago, we pivoted to taking our knowledge virtual. And so we're doing the this really just comprehensive health transformation coaching right now. So that's the very quick version, <laughs> the two minute version.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I'll dive a little bit deeper, just kind of into the beginning of it. You know, you said you weren't in great health in 2003. So mm-hmm. how quickly to not being in great health in 2003, did it transition to like I'm going to start getting in good health. And then how did it quickly turn into other people wanting to hire you and pay you to help them? Because I mean, you, you almost couldn't have been in too bad of health in 2003 for it to make that quick of a transition. I feel like.
1: Yeah. Well, so it was the, what was weighing me down. I had like a lot of guys either trying to be macho and, and work out and, and push my limits. And so I really started not knowing what the heck I was doing, injured myself on top of waiting tables. And really just that, the continually using your body in the same mechanics and started developing some pretty significant joint degeneration where I just wasn't able to heal. And not knowing much about nutrition, my immune system, I was, you know, I don't have the best immune system. And so I had to work for it. I had to figure out how to get back in front of it. I was sick frequently. And, you know, about four times a year, I'd get some sort of illness that would just knock me out or it would just it make it hard. And so between my joints falling apart and feeling like I'm sick, you're just like, I'm 27. This can't, I, What's this going to be like when I get to 50? And so I just, I had the good fortune to come across people who have a you know, different paradigm of health. I went to about half a dozen medical doctors trying to figure out how to get my health back. So it really was about a two-year journey of rethinking nutrition, rethinking fitness, rethinking wellness. And, and when you've been through, you know, medical system and they don't have answers and you're not getting better and then you go to something such a contrast where you get better in about six months i'm like i'm really starting to feel better and realizing how much more capable my body was but i was armed with bad information and so i have just an insatiably curious mind at some point i learned how to learn and i became okay with the fact that i don't know everything and now now what and so you become like a kid in a candy store when you realize knowledge isn't locked up in institutions anymore. And so you really, it's just, you know, friends, roommates, people that I had known that had, that knew kind of the shape I was in and that had seen me change were interested. And so helping them and then realizing you know, if I if I wanted to, I could I could make a business out of this. And so, I just started humble with you know basic nutrition and fitness certifications and getting my feet wet that way. And then it just grew and grew. And I have accumulated. I, I've never stopped learning since then. It's been so much fun to realize there's always more to know. And the body is so underestimated. So what else do I not know? And how do I put together this puzzle of what a whole human would look like? How would it, how would I approach that differently if I could do it over? I love that. So
0: let, let's go back to it. So you talked about how you had kind of some joint issues and your immune system wasn't very strong. And then you kind of started to to learn and you went to a lot of different professionals and, and try to seek out the, the different things that you could do to start making a change in that. I know you, like you said, you're, you take the holistic approach to all these different things that you can do. But what, what do you think are like the couple of like mistakes that you were making and then, the couple of most important changes that you started to make that started to improve your immune system that started to improve your joint pain,
1: yeah, as far as immune system, really the biggest thing was how I was eating, it was just a diet, and you know you like any of us, you grow up in a you know you tip, you hear what the doctor says, you catch this segment on the news, or you hear about this book, and we just had never put it together the history of what has happened to food or the way that food became a Weaponized politically, and you know the food guide pyramid being the greatest example. That is like the government's plot to destroy the human race. If you ate like the food guide pyramid, you ha- you would not live well. And so, recognizing, oh, wait a minute, there's there's industry behind this. There is, um, there's more to it than just everybody has the perfect supplement, the perfect superfood. And so be digging deeper and realizing, okay, how have humans been eating historically, globally? What populations have actually survived survived and thrived and, and not had all these degenerative diseases? And that, more than anything, just the deep dive into nutrition is what, when you finally feel like you hit bedrock, right? like, oh, this is how you feed the body. This is what is done to food to make it a food-like substance, not actually nourishing. And that just quickly starts to rebuild your immune system and your health on such a fundamental level. So that obviously helps with joint health as well. And then it's in terms of, you know, exercise, it's as much learning the what's creating the problem, what is reinforcing joint ache or what movement patterns have I been stuck in. And we've come so far away from moving to meet our basic needs that we had to kind of, find places. We had to build buildings with warehouses of, you know, equipment that forces you to move in a particular way. And we go inside these four walls and move stuff around because our life is so deprived of movement and recognizing that movement is different than exercise and recognizing that how we live in our lives shapes the way our bodies function. And there's something about reclaiming a broader movement lifestyle that then helps push pain out of your body. So it's, it, it's beyond just training, training, with weights or training for one particular way of exercising and being more well-rounded in how you approach fitness that really does, one, it makes fitness more fun because you never finish. There's always some other challenge or something to do. But looking at it, once the holistic framework hit me for nutrition and for fitness, you just start looking more broadly for what other things, what other ways of moving that people really enjoy and what What does that have to teach me and why would I not want to do that? So that's still fairly broad, but that's, that's some of the high level thinking.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, when you were having those problems, really getting down to the knowledge behind food history and how it's been, the nutritional part of the food has been, has been very much been taken out of a lot of the things that we actually eat and then just becoming a, having that mindset shift towards movement. It's not just going to the gym. It's, it's making sure that you have an active lifestyle on a, on a regular basis So, you know, you talked about how you've ever since 2003, when you started off with kind of the basic certifications and stuff like that, you have had the insatiable curiosity and you've continued to learn. So since 2003, again, I know this is going to be a big picture and there's going to be a lot of things, but if you can name like the three most important improvements you've made as a coach since 2003 – whether that be specific advice, whether that be leadership, whether it be knowledge that you've attained, what do you think are like the three most important improvements you've made as
1: a coach over the last couple of decades? Oh, man. I guess I would say that being able to step back and say, what does it take to legitimately change someone's lifestyle? And so I became very fascinated with what does it take to create a breakthrough? And you know, what, what I learned is somewhere in the middle of having a brick and mortar, um, well rounded, holistic, with a lot of different practitioners and we could approach health from a ton of different ways. And yet, despite that, is our success rate better than any other competitor? Are we doing a good job shepherding this person to health? And what I came to is we can have the best health advice, best practitioners on the planet. But if we don't understand what's motivating this person, if we don't understand the context of their life and we don't have a way to rank, stack, and prioritize the things that are important, those are probably the three things that in large part get missed when you are you go to any practitioner, you go to any doctor, nutritionist, whatever, they have their skill set, and, and we're groomed in a system of parallel trenches, and we just have everybody siloed with their little bits of information. And really, do the, the different practitioners pick their head up and look around and say, "Oh my gosh!" So we stepped back and said, "What would it take to understand the the psychology, the human nature element of change, and look for okay, where is this actually an emotional motivation problem?" And then to step back and say, "Okay, how would?" my life, the context of me or the the client we're working with, what responsibilities do they have? What support structure do they have? What are they striving for? And what's important to them? If you understand the context of a person's life and you can apply a master strategy approach to this comes before that and, and massaging the emotions and facing the shadow side, facing the rules you've lived by, facing the patterns that you've been stuck in and wanting to address the patterns and and replace this frustration of like, oh, come on, why can't get my act together. What's wrong with me? And, and, oh, screw it. I, I just ate the wrong thing. I might as well wait till Monday and start over. Like if you can step back and replace that frustration with fascination, huh? Like why do I keep doing this? Like why is it that I don't feel motivated right now? What do I feel motivated to do? There's an element of knowing yourself that is so Profound when it comes to, change. and really, it's it's not just health; as anything. But when you try to change your health, you are inevitably going to run into the things that you're not good at, or the patterns that have been there before. So that's it, again, it's still a high level. But if, if you if people get the concept of like, yeah, there's the the biological laws of physics. We all have to drink water and sleep and eat and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And th- but that's part of the equation. The other two parts of this equation <laughs> that are highly relevant are what's going on in your head and what's the life situation on the ground, what fills your calendar and what can make claims on your time. And if you can step back and actually have a strategy methodically to change that, it really does change the game. So I can get high or specific on any, any particulars in any of those three areas, but those are the ones that really, for us, it became the the work we love to do is to look at the, the whole person and figure out, oh, well, okay, what's going on here, and, and where do we start? Yeah, no doubt. I do I do something similar with my.
0: I have a ten week fitness goal setting program that I take people through, and I, I kind of do similar sorts of things. I'm fascinated by you. You know, we talked beforehand how you have five kids, of all the way from fourteen to eight months and everywhere in between. What are some things that you do, in particular, you personally that help you. We'll start off just just kind of like nutritionally. What are what are things you do on a weekly basis that keep you on track
1: nutritionally? Given the fact that you have five kids from eight months to fourteen years old, <laughs> sure, yeah. So um, simple keystone habits. The first thing I put in my body every day is a big thing of water. water. I usually put lemon in it, and have, I'll put some uh, drops, either an iodine drop or some mineral drops, in it. I have a supplement called Ion that I take. Ion Gut Health. That kind of kickstarts my day. It gives me a, a way to flush the system, wake the body up. Um, I have a hydrating warm up. I call it. It's basically a set of half dozen or dozen moves that I do that I'm trying to move every joint through its full range of motion at least once to kind of de-stiffen the body first thing in the morning. So that that typically takes, you know, five, 10 minutes and while the coffee's being made, I can do that. I'm I'm hydrating both with water and with movement right out of the gate. And so that kind of kickstart to the day, those are some of the keystone habits. The other ones are just being, you know, five kids, they're, they're not always planable. They have needs that are not always like, they don't, this wasn't on the calendar. What do we, like, come on, like, whether well, or not, <laughs> eight month old, he's, he's really non-committal sleeping through the night so far. So, um, but doing my best to be protective of sleep is a big one. And I, I realize when I'm sleeping or resting or playing for that matter, I'm not wasting time. I'm gathering strength. It's I used to push the how little sleep can I get by on and still function? And I realized that's kind of silly. Like, how much better functioning can I be? How much longer can I extend my shelf life or my mental emotional bandwidth if I just get really protective of sleeping for eight hours or at least having the time set aside? And if babies want to interrupt, they, they do their thing. But that keeps have habit. My gosh, I would wager I I can't create the alternate universe to compare the two, but I would wager I'm more productive with eight hours of sleep than I would be if I tried to cheat that and had six hours and two more hours of work or something. So those those are some pretty especially spanning across time. Right. If you do that for the long haul, you're, you're inevitably going to be more productive. And then there's several different leaders or thought leaders in terms of productivity or work, you know, how to deep work would be, a, a, it's a great book. on like, what does it take to get into the headspace of actually thinking hard about a problem? I took Darren Hardy's insane productivity course or studied all his material, the compound effect, and just recognizing that I have to be disciplined with the time and everything is a trade-off. And every time I say no to something or say yes to something, I just said no to something else. Well, am I okay with, like if, if I have my priorities right and I've, I've done the hard thinking, is this new option to interrupt me going to derail other things? And that moment by moment filter that says, ah, this, this is, yeah, I could justify it. But if I do, I, now I'm drifting off course. So a regular rhythm of, of sleep and a thing that I like to wind down with is just a quick check-in on the goals. Like, how am I doing take five minutes, maybe and just look at the journal I have and say, am I on track? What are the three things I'm going to be responsible for tomorrow? And to look at that. And then you wake up the next second. Oh, here's the three things I got to get done today. And it just that simple little autopilot nudge to keep you on track. That goes a long way. Cause you know, I got five kids. How do you spend quality time with each of them? Well, that has to fit somewhere. Like you can't just like wing it and hope that you're, they're going to leave home and I'll be like, crap, I didn't spend any time with them because I was too busy if I don't get really specific with where my time goes. So that, yeah, that's there's several more things I could mention, but those are some of the big ones that help. Of course. Yeah. I like those.
0: And all of them were great. And you know, one thing that you said that was an important mindset shift for me is a lot of people will say they're yes people and they don't like saying no to other people. But when you realize when you say yes to one thing, you're simultaneously saying no to an infinite number of other things so you you got to use that to kind of motivate you to realize that you have to be selective and, and realize everything has a trade off and everything has an opportunity cost. Um, but I, I kind of want to dive into even further with some nutritional practices. Like, what does a nutritional week look for you in regards to? Do you meal prep? Do you cook on a daily basis?
1: Do you order meals? What what does that look like for you guys? Yeah, great. So I, I am fortunate to have a wife who is a fantastic, trained herself to be a fantastic chef. So she has also been my uh, love and business partner through this whole thing. So we have developed concurrent skills, yet also have a delegation of labor that has been super helpful. So she does most of the cooking and does it with the depth of nutrition um, that we would want. So things that are important to us are just, you know, farm-raised, this, that, and the other. It is preparing our own bone broths and making our own it's ferments to where we can, and, and having a rhythm of how do we eat in as much of a traditional way rather than convenience food. So we we make, she makes a lot of uh, food, um, but we mix in organ meats and there's there's different preparation techniques that unlock more nutrition out of our food. If you know how to use plants is a great example. There's a lot of nutrition locked in them, but a lot of the ways that we prepared them actually make them kind of irritating to digest. So raw kale, for example, raw broccoli, chard, bok choy, Brussels sprouts, you try eating that stuff raw, it's going to wreck you. And, and all sorts of other, there's plants develop chemicals that help them survive 24-7 out in nature with all sorts of other things in the air and on the ground that would like to eat them. Grains in particular, they're, they're hard to digest if they just crush them and don't actually soak and activate them nuts and seeds and things. So the soaking and the sprouting and the learning to dehydrate, just how did cultures eat from the breadth of what humans can eat. Before we had tools of industry to start pre-digesting stuff for us or to start processing things for us. You would never have had cotton seed oil or canola oil when you were you know, in an in indigenous people group. You couldn't get enough of it. Now we have tools of industry that can just continually separate things. What if we return to some of the ways people prepare things? So yeah, a lot of people think they're doing great by themselves having a raw kale salad or a whole bunch of roughage. And that can actually be irritating for the gut, not to mention the gas you develop in the process of it. So learning how to prepare them in such a way to unlock it, how to not overcook your meats and use things like braises and so on, that actually break apart the proteins make it really easy just almost like fork tender you can squish it with your tongue and it's super tasty so there's a lot of that goes into it but she's got a whole lecture and just the rhythm of real food that she created of like here's how i feed my family here's how i think about meal planning here's how i prep from one meal to the next and here's how i learn to wing it in the kitchen and be less tied to recipes and just more like i have skills and I know this combination of flavors will produce this and she uses her hands to measure now and she tastes things as she goes to know, oh, this this t- needs something else.
0: I do want to get a, s- a few more specific ones of those. You know, you mentioned the rail broccoli and, and kale and some of those things. What are And then you mentioned a couple of other real quickly. What are like maybe two or three of, you feel like maybe the most important things that she does that makes the food more digestible or healthier and brings out more nutrients than and otherwise, if you prepared it in a different way, what are maybe a couple of the most important ones that you feel like she does on a regular basis?
1: Yeah, so bone stock, either making it or buying it at the store. So there's so much nutrition locked into really healthy bone stocker. That's got, if it's especially if it gels, you know you're getting all the gelatinous, the collagen, all the different parts of it that make it super nutritious. It's got glycoaminoglycans and proteoamino which are basically fancy words for snot. It's just like this, it coats the lining of your gut and just makes everything um, that's supposed to be absorbed, absorbed. It's soothing for your digestive tract. When it comes to vegetables, learning how to parboil, which is partially boil, how to soften them enough so that you neutralize some of the anti-nutrients that are in the rougher type of vegetables we typically eat. The parboiling oven, roasting in the oven is another way to do it. Just learning how to do that in a way that breaks them down Um, another one's fermentation or soaking or sprouting so taking nuts or seeds even oats and grains and soaking them overnight and letting them start to dissolve the the pectins and lectins and saponins and the the different plant chemicals oxalic acid and phytic acid that are part of that plant's surface so that those things are neutral otherwise they would be irritating to your gut but if you start to neutralize them you unlock the nutrition Herbivores typically have a much different digestive system. Cows have four stomachs. They have a whole different way to process that stuff than we do. I should know this, but with the soaking your nuts and stuff like that,
0: is it like literally buying walnuts and almonds and those kinds of things and like putting them in water?
1: Right. So they have to be raw. So you don't want ones that are already roasted. You have raw nuts, seeds, whatever, just that have not been processed. And then you literally soak them overnight. You could do it with salt or a citrus or some sort of way, something that starts to get in there and neutralize those different components. It doesn't need to be a lot. depends on how much water and how many nuts you have and so on. But um, yeah, typically a tablespoon of salt or so teaspoon depending on how many you're soaking soak them overnight and they have to dehydrate them so there's a process here and that's where that you get bogged down shoot i want to eat healthy but this takes more work well do you want to outsource that <laughs> or do you want to do that one that costs more time and one costs more money and what's more important what do you have more of and so yeah that's that's a simple process soaking oats overnight you can do it in lemon just a t- tablespoon of lemon or whey and the next morning they cook really quickly so you've got Oats that are not going to be as hard on your gut, get more nutrition out of them. And there you go for the next day. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, you talked
0: about how, when you kind of, with your practice, you know, you, you want to help people get breakthroughs and you really want to make sure that when people do your program, they're as successful or more successful than they are with doing anything else, right? So, and then you kind of talked about the almost like three different pillars, if you will, or three different things with regards to you know, the X's and O's with nutrition and fitness. And you talked about what's going on in your head and you talked about what's going on in your calendar. I kind of want to spend a little bit of time on that middle one that I just mentioned, what's going on in your head Okay. and how we can manage the different emotions, thoughts, and things going on in our head that can allow us to stay consistent and allow us to reach that level of breakthrough.
1: Yeah. Well, there's so many different Ways we could go, or ways you could answer that. That one thing we came up with is, we had a you know a good client history of several hundred people we have helped at a pretty deep level, and so at one point it just made sense. Why don't we step back and because we're trying, we're always trying to say how do we give a better experience? So one thing we did was, what are the typical patterns people get stuck into? What are the the excuse loops or the you know what we eventually call the shadow side? This like I'm strong at this, but because I'm strong at this, I tend to be weak at that. So we came up with actually a quiz that we created to help people kind of answer some basic questions about their wiring. Cause it's different person to person. What one person's excuse is, another person's like, well, that's your problem. Seriously. Like get over it and vice versa. So a lot of it really just comes back to what are you good at and what are you not good at? So strengths, weaknesses, but the, oh, another way to think about your, your, your weaknesses is just a shadow side. It's just this pattern you're in. It's this avoidance mechanism. It's a rule you've lived by. It is a, it could be a bully from, elementary school or a a wound from your mom that tells you, it gives you a particular identity that you have clung to for a long time. This is who I am. And what would it mean if I wasn't that person anymore? What would it mean if this wasn't true? Or what would have to be true for me to choose differently here and some of those questions become the, the zingers that stop you in your tracks. And sometimes it, you're percolating on them for a month before you're you're ready to go to answer some of those things but you know you probably heard of the the book mindset by carol dweck it's the idea of like are, do you have a growth mindset or do you have a fixed one and that's one big inflection point people hit where they once they realize wait like for me i not i could say i'm not good at singing or i'm not good at playing an instrument well the reality is I don't know if I could become good at it because I haven't practiced it. So my, I'm not so close-minded that I'm fixed and I can't become good at it. I just haven't tried. And when you start to realize, wait, this, cause so many of the times clients will reckon that I'll catch them. Anytime they make an absolute statement, it is always, it's never, I'm always, I, and it always goes this way. And like really always, there's no possibility it could ever go differently. And they so they catch themselves they don't so the removal of an absolute statement that I am this fixed that I'm not a disciplined person I'm not motivated I always have a hard time with this I need that I stop like what if that statement wasn't one hundred percent true and it's the willingness to look for assumptions we have made or rules we've lived by or boundaries we've set that aren't very good and say, what if we rethought this? So I, I, I sometimes jokingly say, I'm in the business of massaging people into thinking differently. I'm in the business of asking thoughtful questions to help people see the blind spots. We don't have narcissists in our program because they don't need to change. We have people who are, they've come to the point where they're ready to say, you know what? I don't know everything. And maybe the way I have been living is part of the challenge. Maybe the thoughts I've been thinking or the I know what to do, but I can't make myself do it. And I'm finally ready to face that question. Those are some of the things that really, when you're ready to lean into that, when you switch from fixed mindset to growth mindset, when you stop making absolute statements, that's where you're right on the precipice of being able to trigger a breakthrough. And the transformation will always lag after the breakthrough. But that's the fun work I get to do on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, no, I think that is a, I think there's a huge mindset part that, that, is a, that creates breakthroughs for people. Because like you said, I mean, like your experience, you know, you could have, you you said earlier how I've never really had a good immune system and you could have just let that be your belief about yourself for the rest of your life. I don't have a good immune system. So when I get sick, that's just what happens. But you're like, no, I'm going to figure out what I can do to make sure that I actually have an improved an improved immune system because this previously held assumption is actually wrong or it's not actually benefiting me whatsoever. And I, you know, there are so many people in fitness who I hear, I can't hold myself accountable. I, I can't do this. I, I just, i am never a morning person. I just can't get up and work out in the morning. It's like, hang on. Like, I'm not saying everybody needs to work out in the morning, but what could you actually do to, that would change that narrative? I think that's a really helpful thing. And you, you talked about how you're really good at answer or asking the right questions. Let's say somebody is listening right now and they are frustrated with their lack of follow-through. They're, they're frustrated with they kind of know what to do and and they're not doing it. And they maybe have some assumptions. What's another good question that could help change their mindset
1: and lead them to help to help create a breakthrough? Yeah, there's several good ones, but the one that tends to make a difference fairly quickly is that it's kind of a magic wand question. And it's if I could wave a magic wand and I could change one thing about your life that would make your your life or your ability to make progress or your belief in yourself different? If I could wave a magic wand and the biggest stressor that you had was gone and you woke up tomorrow and you could just tell, you could feel that something was different, what would change? And being able to answer that, often it's not, oh, I would just lose 20 pounds. It'd be like, my relationship with my husband would be so much better. I would feel valued at work. I would feel like I'm not a failure. I would feel like I I do have what it takes. I would feel like my life is significant or it, it unearths often some big... Harry, whoa, That's a, where did that belief come, because I don't know where the question, I asked mostly open ended questions, or alternate universe, alternate possibility type of questions. And when somebody is comfortable, or willing at least to entertain, what is it that's really here going on? And what's been refreshing to me in studying human nature and religion and marketing and psychology is the concept of unmet emotional need and to me that if you're having this motivation sinkhole i just finished an eight part series on the topic of motivation if you have a motivation like vacuum i just can't seem to keep it it it's helpful if you can step back and say what emotional need do i have that is unmet and recognizing that emotions are what are driving All of our decisions, all of our actions are driven by an emotion. And often they're subconscious, they're directing us, and we don't even know that's what it is. It's this, I don't feel validated. I don't feel significant. I don't feel like I'm contributing. I don't feel rested. I don't feel heard. That's why I'm having a hard time falling asleep. I'm I'm anxious. I'm like, the me is frustrated right now. The me is angry. The me is, if you can start to name what that need is or say, if this is such a crappy day, what would be a good day? What would? How would I flip this? What would make me feel? What do I feel motivated to do? And it's it's sometimes it's just the ability to pause, and zoom out from, and look from thirty thousand feet. Like, do I feel lonely right now? Am I just hungry? Am I bored? Am I feeling no purpose, no hope, no sense of going somewhere with my life? And. Oh, that's actually, if, if, if we don't, there's, it's a funny chicken or funny, it's important, I guess, chicken and egg question that really doesn't always have an answer, but it's that what comes first, the motivation to do the thing so that I will be able to find rhythm and eventually find some purpose, or does it take having some purpose to make doing the exercise, eating well, practicing the habits, going to bed on time, do I have to have purpose bef- so that I can answer like, well, why does this matter anyway? And so the, the the willingness to do both is to say, you know what, let's just practice some things we know are going to help you feel better. But to also recognize that you can be super disciplined at the wrong thing or at something that feels like it's going nowhere or real, or feel like even if I get in shape, who cares? What does it matter? And if you, if you can't also have some reasonable answer to the Why am I here? What difference am I making? Am I just taking up space? What's my purpose? If you can start to answer those types of questions, and you'll have many M-I-N-I purposes as you go through life, and that's good. But it's really deflating to not have a sense of, like, I'm waking up with my tail wagon ready to get to the day because this work is important, and people are not going to live as good of a life if I don't show up. Finding that often is the linchpin that makes motivation really easy to come by. I agree. I love that.
0: I love it. Well, before I ask the last question, I want to, uh, this this question could be a whole different podcast episode in and of itself. I wanted to address it. So back in April, you wrote a blog that blew up called the 18 Reasons I Won't Be Getting a COVID Vaccine. And it has almost 5 million views um, since April on it. And I'm not really going to talk about the, the blog itself, but I want to ask you the question about how important it is for people to have the courage to still say their thoughts, ideas, and beliefs, even if they know when they say it, they're potentially going to get some backlash. Like how important is it for us and to have people to still do that, right? Because like, you know, the reason I asked the question is you knew we're writing that you were probably going to get a lot of crap and there's a stuff in the article like saying, like, I know I'm going to get a lot of stuff, but it's important for people to have the courage to do that, to still speak their thoughts and speak their beliefs because at the end of the day, we do have freedom of speech in this, in this place uh, that we call the United States of America, so talk about the importance of still saying your thoughts, ideas, and beliefs, even if you know you're going to get backlash. We'll be back to the interview in just a second, but first, I wanted to share a quick testimonial from a past participant of the 10-Week Transformation Program. I started running the 10WT in the beginning of 2020, and I've had over 150 people on counting go through it, and they've seen amazing results both inside and out. If you're inspired to join after listening to the testimonial, then go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. We'll get back to the episode in just a minute, but first, here's what they had to say.
1: Hi, I'm Marissa, and I joined Nick's 10-week program um, to train for my half marathon. From week to week, I've just seen myself get stronger and um, runs get easier. Doing it with like a group has been fun. This is my first time doing like a workout class like that, so I really enjoyed it. You should join Nick's 10-week program. Yeah, I mean, some of it for me was just a regret minimization filter. Like, I don't want to look back on this era of history and be like, yeah, I kind of was a wussy. I just mailed it in. I didn't want to speak up. And I'd rather just play Nintendo and hope this goes away. Like, I want my kids to be proud of me 10 years from now. Like, my dad got in a fight and he wasn't afraid to stand up and, and speak what he thought made sense to him. And even if that meant losing some friends or not being popular or whatever the thing is. But what I found after that post went crazy beyond my wildest expectation was that courage is contagious. If you speak up, it, it sometimes it just takes one other person to be like, oh, you think that way too. And suddenly you're like, oh, okay, I'm not weird. I'm not like, it's so empowering. I've met so many amazing people, doctors, lawyers, nurses, uh, et cetera, scientists thanking me for doing that, for saying what they felt like they couldn't say. And it's, it's saddened to me to your point that we have such a, we've been groomed in a society where you're not supposed to speak and there's repercussions and there's such political correctness that you can't have an opinion without being vilified. So to me, courage is you earn it. It is not being not afraid. It's just feeling a little bit of anxiety and doing the thing anyway. And what you find when you do that is that you become more and more unflappable. When you put yourself out there and you realize you didn't die and you realize that the sky's not falling and it's going to be okay. The sun will come up tomorrow. That wave of, oh crap, or overwhelm passes. And you're like, well, I'm still here. And For me, like you stand up about this issue, you're quickly going to find your tribe and you're going to find the the level of friendships or depth of conversation you get to have when you can be fair and level-headed and just really be seeking truth. It's empowering. You feel like you actually can influence the outcome now. Talk about bringing your motivation back Yeah, I'm doing what I can. I'm one person, but... I'm one of many who are trying, and when you you feel like you're part of something, it really does embolden you to, to keep going. So if anybody's feeling like I am just too nervous to say something, have courage for 10 seconds, speak up, and be surprised where it goes. Like, be fair. Try to be civil. Have level-headed conversation, but don't back down. Do not give up. Don't just roll over and comply and, and mail it in because you're not going to want to live with yourself if you do that.
0: I love that. Great, great words. And I really liked how you talked about how, you know, it was a make sure I want avoid the regret of not saying not having said anything in the first place. Um, That's awesome. Well, before I, again, before I ask the last question, I just want to acknowledge you, Christian for back in 2003, when you were not in good health and you weren't having joint issues and your immune system, wasn't good. I acknowledge you for taking ownership and taking responsibility for seeking out the different ways that you can improve and for you to continue that insatiable curiosity into Learning more and more about how you can help other people create breakthroughs in their life and and live the life that they really want to live, but they need help living. Um, I think that's awesome. And then obviously the the courage to uh, make your post back in April and uh, take on the a lot of the lot of praise and a little bit of criticism that came with it. Um, I just think it's awesome.
1: Well, thank you very much. I feel honored to be able to do the
0: work I do these days. Of course, of course. Well. You guys want to make sure you go follow and learn more about Christian. Uh, the heat, Like he said, him and his wife have created that quiz. I, I took it yesterday, actually, a couple minutes, uh, real quick, like basic questions to learn about your inner wiring and how the things going on in your head and in your mind can hold you back from achieving the goals that you want to achieve and, and how you can start to change those and modify those so that you can achieve what you want to achieve. So tell everybody a little bit more about where they can find you, where they can go take the quiz and, and social media and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've got two main sites. We've got my blog, which is deconstructingconventional.com. That's where I just put a lot of my musings about all things, health, fitness, nutrition, mindset. Um, I've started blogging about COVID because that became a thing and I didn't I felt I needed to have an opinion because people trust me to shepherd them with their health. So I at least need to have my opinion. <laughs> so that's that stuff's on there. I've got another update to my 18 reasons coming soon. Um, our coaching website is truewholehuman.com. You can learn about our coaching program there. Take the quiz. Uh, you can watch a presentation about what we do and how we do it. So that's all on there. If you want to subscribe to our mailing list, you can do that at the bottom of any blog post. And if you take the quiz, that'll also get you on the list. So you'll be up to date with whatever we do. Beautiful, good deal. Well,
0: last question, Christian, is I think that to get closer to the best version of ourselves, it's both a constant journey and a unique journey. I don't think we're ever at that best version of ourselves, And I also think that the way that I'm gonna get closer to the best version of myself is a little bit different than the way that you're gonna get closer to the best version of yourself. So for you personally, for Christian Elliott, if there are three things that you could currently do or three things that you could currently work on to get closer to that best version of Christian Elliott that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on?
1: Oh, man. Um, I think a high level, it would be continuing to to work at becoming an essentialist, to look at what is most important and am I doing it? And to frequently, probably with more frequency than I am, step back and ask that question. Am I working on the most important thing or am I working on something because it's easier or just meets an unmet emotional need at the moment? I'd say fitness-wise, I have so many more tools that I'm using. So many different ways I know I can be moving and be more disciplined with working on the alignment of my structure, of practicing things I am not good at yet, of growing into a, a body. It starts now. If I don't stay consistent, I know where this goes. So the more plugging in a little more consistency with my fitness would probably be another. And a third, I guess, would be, and my wife teaches me this with regularity, but stopping to smell the roses, slowing down and not just because I, I can get so enamored with what I'm working on and feel so much joy and purpose in it that sometimes I need to step back and spend more time with the kids to have a little bit more recharging of the play and rest batteries because that really is where so many ideas and sweet moments of life come from. So those would be three things that I would definitely do well to continue working on. Awesome. Well, three
0: great things, Christian. I uh, really appreciate it today. That was absolutely awesome. I know a lot of people got a lot from it. And if you didn't take notes while you were listening or you didn't jot down mentally or tangibly some of the different tips that he got, then you need to make sure you go back and and take some of those notes with regards to some of his most important habits and in regards to unlocking some of the nutrients that you can get out of foods that you wouldn't normally get if you prepare them in a certain way. So make sure you go back and take notes. But Christian, that's all we got today. Really appreciate it, man. Great. Thanks for having me. I hope you all really enjoyed this awesome episode with Christian. Be sure you share this episode with a friend or family member. It's so easy. All you got to do is click that share button on your screen, or you can just send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. Also be sure to rate it and review it on iTunes and the Apple podcast app. And let me know what your favorite takeaway from Christian was. Do you want to head into 2022 regretting all the decisions that you made during the holiday season? Or do you want to head into the new year as the most fit and most confident version of yourself that you've literally ever been? Because in just 10 short weeks, then we can make that happen. Join the 10-week transformation program today. Just go to nickcarrier.com and you will become the strongest, most confident version of yourself that you've ever been. Prepare to show the world the most fit and most confident and best version of you. When it comes to your health situation, remember to have a growth mindset, not a fixed mindset, not a mindset that says, this is who I am and this is the way things will always be, but the mindset that says, I'm not gonna tolerate the way things currently are and I'm gonna have an insatiable curiosity to find out how I can make a change. That's exactly what Christian did, and it allowed him to turn health and fitness into his career and his lifelong passion. If you're ready to start taking ownership of your health and fitness, then go to nickcarrier.com and download the Four Steps to Transform Your Body Today eBook. You're going to learn the four most important things to stay focused on on a daily basis in order for you to start transforming your body and your mindset today. Again, go to nickcarrier.com to download the eBook, Four Steps to Transform Your Body Today. I hope you all really enjoyed this awesome episode with Christian. I hope it inspired you to prioritize your health, and I hope it inspired you to continue to take action, to get closer and closer to your best
1: you.